Hi, and welcome to The Terror Test. I'm Eric. And I'm John. And as fans of horror, our goal is to weigh the merits of films based on three categories, production, monster quality, and scare factor, to decide whether to admit them to our sacred horror canon. In this podcast, we will put horror movies to the test to determine what to watch next, what's worth revisiting, and what to recommend to the uninitiated. Number two pencils ready, and begin. Okay, so um, this week we are... Um, talking about two recent horror movies, The Void and The Autopsy of Jane Doe. Two very different movies. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I don't know if we'll be able to find many connections, yeah. but we'll try. Yeah. They're, they're modern. That's the connection. Yeah. <laughs> they're, they're just two modern movies that we just wanted to do. Yep. It's always good to just see what's, what's new, what's out there. Mm-hmm. So. Great. Well, let's start with The Void. Sure. Okay. And production, so we're making sure that the film is timeless in the power and effectiveness of its writing, direction, acting, cinematography, special effects, iconography, and portrayal of its subject matter. Right, and it was released in 2016, uh, written and directed by Jeremy Gillespie and Stephen Kostansky, uh, starring Aaron Poole as Daniel, Kenneth Welch as Dr. Richard Powell, Daniel Fathers as The Father, Kathleen Monroe as Allison Frazier. And Art Hindle is Mitchell. Did you recognize Art Hindle from uh, Black Christmas? Oh my gosh, no. But yeah. now that you say that, yes. Yeah, he, he's the cop in Black... No, no, he wasn't the cop. He was uh-huh. a college dude. Yeah, he's one of the... Is, I don't know if it's fraternity, but yeah. Yeah. No, now I recognize him. <laughs> right, and he's the... Um, he's how would a you cop describe his character? This. So he's the, like, the senior cop? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. All right, so let's start with production. Yeah. So I think uh, what is interesting and stands out first to me about this movie is that it's character-driven, right? Is it? Yes. (laughs) The entire entire first half of the movie is about all those relationships with those characters and figuring out who's related to who. You have that subplot of Daniel and his wife losing their baby, you got the nursing student, you have um, the psycho who came from, I guess, the previous, like, cult massacre or whatever was going on. That's why I think it's, like, character-driven because you have to, you have to <laughs> figure out how all those characters fit in before you figure out that main plot. And it's, I'm just going to call, it's Dr. Powell, but I'm just going to call him Dr. Satan. Yeah. Dr. Satan. Um... <sighs> So when I think character driven, I, I think that the story is driven by like the the power of the characters, and so to me this is like the opposite because <laughs> I think the characters are very thin and one dimensional, and you, you do have to spend time figuring out how people know each other, and it's usually like you know the pregnant woman will say. Something, something, granddad, or like, like they have to announce to the rest of the group how they're connected to each other, and so it it didn't seem it it seemed like characters were, I said, thin and kind of took a backseat to some of the action. Oh, you feel like it was the action that drove it? I think so. I. I don't know. I kind of disagree there because I feel like, oh, well, I know I'd agree with you in part because each, each moment with the characters is sort of separated by the action. Like where's another 
um, beast going to emerge? Where are they going to get lost in that hospital? Um, I would agree with that. Um, I do agree that, though, um, regardless of how like we label it, it, the characters are thin. Um, the only backstory you get is maybe a little bit from Daniel, but mm-hmm. even then, it's, it's not much. Like, you don't know why. I guess they're separated. Why yeah. is what it seems like? It seems like they're separated or estranged or something um, due to them losing a child. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And uh, so when I was watching this, my wife was kind of in and out. She was, you know, on her computer for some of it and then, you know, elsewhere for others. And she looked at Aaron Poole, who plays Daniel, and said, he's shady. <laughs> and I'm like, you know, he does not, I don't know if he's like the right kind of actor for to play the hero cop. Yeah, you, you feel like he needed to be maybe a little bit more like clean cut? Is that what? Yeah, I guess so. But I think it's just like, he's just a country cop. It's like just a small town. Like everybody knows each other. They talk about, well, my cousin or my... Like, so-and-so. Right, I'm just talking about the actor. I'm not sure if... I, I guess I'm not sure if I found him convincing as someone who can take the leadership role. Gotcha. Of, of I, I, yeah, I could see that. Yeah, I, I would say that is one critique of the movie. I do like this movie a lot, but you do... During that moment when you're figuring out the plot along with the characters, mm-hmm. um, you're searching for your protagonist. And I, I would agree with that. It's like he doesn't jump out at you <laughs> yeah. as the one that you're supposed to follow. Mm-hmm. Other than maybe he has more screen time. Yeah. Um, how did you feel about the sound mix here? I did you... didn't. I mean, it had... There was a lot of silence but I don't think purposeful silence. And then the only other part of the mix was, what was that? How would you describe that sound? Like the, um, uh, it's like, oh, the static sound. Oh. uh You know, that came in and out, whether it was the TV or the radio or the phone. Like there's just a lot of static, but it didn't seem like it had much purpose. It sounded kind of flat to me. And it's, it's not like I have like a huge sound system or anything. But I had to turn the subtitles on to, like, understand mm-hmm. what people were saying sometimes. Mm-hmm. And I feel like I I typically don't have to do that. Mm-hmm. And so I wonder if it's something with the sound mix or just, like, with, I don't know, Netflix was acting funny that day. But it just seemed like um, some kind of flat muted. Yeah, I could see that. But I think that's because, like, it would have... So like we've seen before, when we really enjoy enjoy the score or the soundtrack mm-hmm. of a movie, it sort of is that like nice bow on top that binds everything mm-hmm. together. That's that like that thread of tension or suspense. This movie could have used that. Yeah, that's what I mean. I think the static was trying to do that, but it wasn't persistent enough. Yeah, like because when they go outside the hospital, there's not really anything. Um, then when they go, you know. When once they uh, have like when he has those flashbacks of the the pyramid or the, the dark triangle, whatever you want to call it, the void, um, there's that like whoa, like that sound, but there, it's never enough. It's yeah. just in those quick bursts. So I, I don't think there's like this continuous thread like we've seen in other movies that we like. Yeah. Um, what did you think about special effects? So the, there's a lot of practical effects, except for the end. But we'll talk about the end. Later. Yeah. Um. 
No, I, I, I like the practical effects. Um, I thought, you know, the various creatures or, or whatever looked good. I thought the cult members looked good. Yeah. They're like all white with the upside down black triangle. I like that a lot. I thought that was just a very simple and cool design. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I think it's a good looking movie, I guess. Yeah, I, I think so too. I think they're trying to do something with color. There's, it's very yellow when they're mm-hmm. in the hospital. Then you have like the dark murkiness when they're in the whatever it is the underbelly of it mm-hmm. um and then you have that grayness of those flashbacks and when they go through the void but again i think like the score it just doesn't it isn't enough mm-hmm. to have much meaning um i like the practical effects it's always refreshing to see good practical effects mm-hmm. i'm on the fence about the final monster like the doctor's daughter who emerges yeah. you know it just kind of looks Silly. It, it looks like, um, like in Alien Resurrection, that like weird ghosty white alien that has like the humanish face of Ripley. Oh yeah, that's uh-huh. what the face reminded mm-hmm. me of. But the, then it's like this hulking thing, and there's not really. Um, this doesn't seem like a purpose. Why that big yeah. of that creature? Like the Cthulhu stuff, like with the. The, the, the wife, where it's like bursting out of her stomach and stuff, that looks really cool. I think that the Dr. Powell looks really cool once he like sh- sheds his skin. Uh, it looks just like Hellraiser. He lo- exactly, <laughs> exactly. He, he looks and sounds like Hellraiser or like a Skeletor. Um, I, I thought he looked cool. Yeah. Um, so, so, so what do you think? Uh, I'm, it's, it's, I feel like we go back and forth. Uh, one moment of cinematography that I thought was really effective is, is when um, after the creature bursts from his wife and he has to take up the axe and chop her up, it shows all of that from the door and then there's a slow zoom out. Um, I think that's the coolest effect in the entire movie. Um, if it had more of that, I would definitely give it a point. I don't think I can give it a point. Because like like if we pile up everything we just talked about, yeah, uh, iffy score, thin characters... Um, practical effects are good, but not consistently. I, I just can't give it a point. Yeah, I'm not going to give it a point either for those those reasons as well. Yeah, there's just not just not enough there. Um, and I think a sort of abandoned hospital. I think it could. There's nothing inherently wrong with that idea, but it just I don't know. It made the movie feel small. Yeah. And I think it should have felt a little larger. Oh, no, I disagree. I like I like it when it's... I, I like that the sort of backstory is big and kind of like existential, Lovecraftian, void portal thing, but I like that it takes place in the hospital. Like, I like that it feels small. But, well, let's continue but, this in monster quality because I think yeah. there's some things to talk about with that. Yeah, I, I like... Going off of that, I think the the smallness of it would be more effective with stronger characters. You know yes. what I mean? Kind of oh, like with absolutely. Alien. You know what I'm saying? Like it's a it's a small movie in a big setting, like in right. space. I feel like that that could have worked better. So monster quality. Uh, the film's monsters are frightening. Clearly relate to archetypal fears and have depth. So who are our monsters? Well, um, I mean, we have the cult. And the, which is 
led by the doctor? Yes. Okay. Um, I think the cult is scary. Maybe this is more scare factor, but I feel like the cult has depth until the doctor's revealed at the end. Okay, so go so ahead. let me elaborate. Explain. So, so everything building up to it, there are all these things about like metamorphosis mm-hmm. and changing. And at one point, the doctor says it's our apotheosis, mm-hmm. right? Which I had to, I have to admit, I had to look that up. The highest point in the development of something, culmination or climax. Mm-hmm. So he's like elevating. He's trying to bring people back from the dead of sorts. It's like changing and evolving them. And see, that's where. That's where it kind of fell apart for me. Okay. Because I think it's too... It, it was too personal. Like, his motivation was too personal. Oh, uh, yeah. Because you're going to have... I can see that. Like, this whole cult, like, follow him. Like, do his bidding. But he's only trying to get his daughter back. Mm-hmm. Right? So, like, what's, what's in it for them? Well, I think that's maybe it's their own individual apotheosis, like taking them to that next level. It reminds me of like the um, what's the cult, the meteor cult, the um, uh, what is it? I'll have to look it up. That was in the '90s where they were watching the meteor and they all drank the Kool Aid. Oh, uh, yeah, I can't recall. Um, but anyway, their whole point was that the aliens were going to come and like take them to the next stage of their life cycle. And I thought that's what he was kind of doing. But you're right. It gets kind of muddled when he makes all that those announcements about wanting his daughter back. Right, right. And I think so, maybe they could have just stuck with that. I think it would have been a lot more interesting if, if they stuck with that idea of like, you know, reaching the next level, the apotheosis, like you said. Um, I think that would have been cool because it does get muddled into just something about loss because then you also have you know daniel and his wife dealing with loss um you have the uh this idea of like motherhood and there are two women here who um well i wrote that they're defined by their pregnancy um one the one woman obviously is she's she's the pregnant woman um and that's kind of her character trait is she's a pregnant Ah, woman she's a vessel yeah um but then i i I think i was also referring to the wife too and that like that's really the only character trait we get from her as well is Mm -hmm. that she lost her child Mm -hmm. um and so it seems like there's something there about motherhood but again it, it's a little muddled yeah so the the cult i was talking about was the heaven's gate heaven's yes gate. that's right i, I felt like he was like that jim character. james or something no that he, oh. jim james is one this one is uh apple white okay that's his last name yeah the hillbop comet um that's who he reminded me of yeah okay sort of that guy that leader so i i that kind of made sense and again i thought that thinking of does it have depth that idea of like the bodies as portals and vessels it's cool but they could have done that yeah because like, like, i think there's something about a cult leader that like they have to be charismatic in some way like the doctor i don't know it seemed like the doctor was 
it, it was a twist. It was, you know, mm. a reveal of someone that you weren't expecting. And so I guess, I don't know if he was believable as this cult leader. Yeah, it, it was confusing because, like, what did, so does he, as a, as a doctor, have, like, this, like, God complex? But he's not really in it for the power. He's in it for his daughter. So it, yeah. it, it just gets confused. Yeah, so I don't think I'm going to be able to give it a point. I, I don't either. Even though I like a lot of the, the look of the mm-hmm. monsters, I, I don't think this has enough... I don't think there are enough monsters with death um, in here. And I can't... I, like, could you name any archetypal fears? Like you said, fear of like a cult, which is kind of archetypal, I guess, like a crazy leader kind of thing. Mm-hmm. But other than that... No, it, it, yeah, it's kind of like surface level Lovecraft, where like Lovecraft was all about like fear of the unknown and like this idea of like another reality, like this, like we live on on, on kind of like a shadow reality of the true reality, like all yeah. these like huge cosmic ideas, like which is this this trying to do visually, but I, it doesn't. I feel like the plot. Doesn't it's just help not there. It. Yeah, it, there's no there there. Like it just, it, <laughs> yeah. yeah. So I'm not gonna give it a point. Yeah. Even if like, man, even if there's like fear of survival or of like not knowing what's beneath the other, I don't feel like that's as pronounced as in other movies that we've seen. And it you also, I mean, you don't think there's like fear of the other? I think it tries, but not. I don't know. Um, I feel like a movie that came to mind when I was watching this was The Mist. Mm-hmm. Stephen King mm-hmm. adaptation um, because it's about a group of people, you know, who are kind of stuck together mm-hmm. um, and have to find a way to work together. But those characters almost seem to be representative of like different types of people. And so it's kind of like a microcosm of society and how mm-hmm. society works. Um here, not so much. And it's they don't just... even really work together no. <laughs> in the movie. It, yeah. and, and which kind of takes us to the ending, and we can talk about Scare Factor. Is that so? Yeah, I, I can't give it a point either. Um, so, Scare Factor needs a clear intent and be successful in that objective to scare from beginning to end. I, it's, it's hard with this movie uh, because they aren't working together and they're individual, and it turns out by the end, it's really about. It wasn't even about the doctor in the first place. It was about Daniel's journey because he ends up with his wife at the end and they're standing in front of the pyramid. Did did that even... Do we even need that? Did the movie have just ended when... Um, I'll just call him shotgun guy and nursing student make it out okay? I think it could have just stopped yeah, there. Yeah, it could have. I think I kind of checked out by then. Um <laughs> Yeah, so I don't know. It you know what other movie this kind of reminds me of as I think of it? Baskin. Yeah, yes. It does. Like because it seems like there's it's trying to reach at something deeper, but it's just not it's not there cuz like I can't connect to the characters. I don't feel stakes and so I'm not invested in scares um so i just i don't i i mean i don't think i was very scared 
No, there's there's some tension throughout, and like I said, there's like the parts with the doctor when he's peeling off his face, or the woman who um, she's she's stabbing herself in my eye, or trying to cut off her face in the very beginning. Oh yeah, and she says like, "This isn't my face." Yeah, yeah. Those parts in the beginning are kind of scary, but like once you see that big behemoth monster mm-hmm. at the end, um, I don't. It's definitely not scary at the end. Um, so I think. Thinking of like kind of our, our like our, our purpose and mission of this whole thing with this movie, would somebody who's a fan of Lovecraft watch it and maybe like it a little bit? Sure, but could we give this to Uninitiated and say this is a great movie? I, no, I don't think so. I don't think so either. I don't think it's a diaper movie. No, 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 no. Um, it just. I mean, I watched it twice. Yeah, I, I liked it better I the first time. <laughs> <laughs> um. Yeah, I it it's just not in the canon. Not, yeah, not in the diaper, not in the canon. Yeah, um, yeah. So yeah, sorry, the void. <laughs> I had high hopes. Yeah, it's it's the kind of movie you want to like more. It's just something about the execution. Yeah. Just it, I liked it. Didn't yeah, pull, it didn't. And I even liked it more before we talked about it. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> but really talking through parts of those things. Yeah. Um, oh. Right. Okay, so then let's um, let's move on to the next film, The Autopsy of Jane Doe, uh, also released in 2016, directed by Andre Overidal, uh, written by Ian Goldberg and Richard Ng, um, starring Brian Cox as Tommy, Emile Hirsch as Austin, and Olwyn Catherine Kelly as Jane Doe. Cool. So, starting with production. So, production. Uh, like you're going back before... What I like about this movie is it is it is a small movie yes. with characters with depth. Yes. And that's why it's effective. And what I really like about the writing of this, instead of just keep keeping you guessing where the next monster is going to appear, it keeps you guessing at the cause yes. of the supernatural events and the monsters. Um, in a way that doesn't feel I don't know, kinda like canned or about it it's not right. like spooky but it had me wondering a whole time like is this a ghost story is this zombies mm-hmm. uh, what is it and then when you finally figure out towards the middle what's actually going on it's it's scary yeah I think um, the the procedure of the autopsy I really appreciate it because it's something that you know we haven't really seen before um, and so there's this kind of scientific approach to it um, where we're learning along with the characters and, you know, they are basically, I mean, they're, they're basically saying what we're thinking. They're making guesses about what it could be. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, they're freaking out about how, how weird things are. And so it seems like we're um, kind of along for the journey with these characters. And, and, and I really like that part. Yeah, it's it's one of those movies, too, where I feel, feel like the first 15 or 20 minutes is spent on those two characters mm-hmm. of Tommy and Austin um, to where we get all sort of, like, nuance on, like, why he is the son, like, mm-hmm. has to stay. Like, does he want to take over the family business? Mm-hmm. Like, the conflict with his girlfriend. Losing the mom. Losing yeah. the mom. And you get all of that, like, crammed in before mm-hmm. that action even starts. Yeah, and it's done in a, in a natural way, yeah. I think. Um, I think so. And it also, the, watching it the second time, so I, I rewatched this last night with my wife, and um, I was able to appreciate how in the first 
15 minutes or so. Um, they kind of lay out uh, a setting so you know where things are. It draws attention to things that are going to be important, like the curved mirror mm. um, or the bell or, you know, um, the, those things. Much like it, uh, the director did in Don't Breathe. Mm-hmm. Do you remember mm-hmm. how, like, in the beginning, like, when, you once you're in the house, yes. you, you kind of get this tour of the house and you see, like, okay, pay attention to that because that's going to be important later. Mm-hmm. And so you get that here, which I appreciate. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, I will say that, well, I think the acting's great. Um, I think uh, for being a corpse, Olwyn Catherine Kelly does a phenomenal job. <laughs> I think it's just the way that she shot sometimes. I mean, she doesn't move, but like it feels like she has different expressions mm-hmm. at times. And so I, I thought that was cool. But um, I will admit that there were parts that felt like, seems like they were kind of verging on cliche mm-hmm. a little bit. Um, like we get a creepy old song. We get... Um, the bell was a little much at times. Uh, yeah, I think, to, especially the last time yeah. as the final thing. Yeah. It's like, oh, of course. Mm-hmm. Um, and just, okay, so so things like that, uh, the thunderstorm, you know, that causes a power outage. Um, the fact that, you know, the characters, they're being chased by a monster, and so they try to, and so they kill it, but then they realize oh, that it's, it's yeah. someone they know. Yeah. Like, and so some of these things, like, I've seen before, but I'm going to give it credit that it it does still feel fresh here. Like, it, it still feels like it's done effectively. And why do you think that is? Do you think, it's, do you think it's because we have such an investment in the characters that we don't mind those sort of, like, cliche, like, tropish plot points? Um, I guess so. That's, that, because that's, even as... Oh, go ahead. I was going to say, that... For me, that's what kind of pulled it through is it was the acting and the characters that mm-hmm. pushed me past that point, even though the, like that song on the radio and the bell got on my nerves. Yeah, um, and, and also the mystery of it, too. Um, yeah. You really you really want to find out what mm-hmm. is going on. But even on the rewatch, I mean, I still, even though I knew what it was, I was still very invested in the way the story was unraveling because I'm like, oh yeah, that means that and that means that. Mm-hmm. And so um, and, and so yeah, I would say the characters you know um, rise above the cliches as, as does the, the mystery the plot. Yeah. Good, uh, again, with the special effects, like good uh, practical effects mm-hmm. as well. I think the, like, the corpses and like when they're doing the autopsy and all of that I think yeah. it looks really good. The other corpses as well look great. Mm-hmm. Um, there is one moment where, like, the corpse, Jane Doe, is set on fire. Mm-hmm. And so, like, the fire kind of goes on the ceiling. And there were a few shots where it was, like, looking up. So you see a character's head, and the fire was above them. Um, those looked really fake. Mm-hmm. But everything else in the movie looked great. Yeah. They kept it simple, and so everything felt real. That's a good point. And that, with the the radio and the song, I, I think, so one of our 
requirements is that it feels timeless. This movie feels timeless. It could take place yeah, whenever. I mean, I mean none of those him... instruments or procedures going to change. It doesn't yeah. matter if, like, maybe his procedures are a little outdated with how they're, like, drawing and sketching, but that'll last forever. I mean, you, he, he looks at his phone to, like, get a signal, and there's no signal. But, like, other than that... That's great. If, I mean, if this could take place in time. Right. So, yeah, I, I agree. So give it a point. I'm going to give it a point, too. I think it's a very solid movie. Cool. Monster quality. So, uh, who are our monsters? So, we've got Jane Doe. Yes. The witch! A witch. She's a witch! And so, this whole time, you, you realize that you've been watching the autopsy of a witch, and I love how that's just so new. Mm-hmm. You just haven't seen anything like that before. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you also get a story, because the, I, I guess the first time I watched it, when they started talking about the Salem witch trials, I was like, was Salem the only place that witches <laughs> in North America? Yeah. And, but I, I appreciate it more the second time because they, they talk about how this woman was likely innocent, but it was the rituals that they did to her that like kind of turned her into this supernatural being. Yeah. And so like society made her a witch. Yeah. She was she was like an innocent. Person. I think that's the depth that we yeah. look for like in the monster. She's not just the cursed witch and I like how we were talking about cliche earlier. I like how it's not like her trying to possess a new person. Right. Like you know what you would expect to see. And and you also you sort of get that at the end because the father, you know, begs the corpse, you know, take me instead, yeah. you know, that moment. But it doesn't work. Right. Um, because the the son still dies, right? So yeah, I like that too. Yeah. Um, let's see, archetypal fears. I think it's that the the strangeness and the otherness. The I mean, you have the fear of the unknown here, but it's like almost <laughs> you have it like fear of the like unknown cause or origin and stuff like that, and you kind of build through it. I would also say there's a fear of like because you're you're watching them take this body apart, mm. and I mean I couldn't help but think about like you know when I die I'm just a body you know they could open me up they could you know cut my skull off and it would look pretty much the same mm-hmm. and so it the way that this is an autopsy and it's you know they're handling this dead body slowly picking it apart. I think that is just playing into this fear of of death and mm-hmm. what happens when you die. I think that subtle like nod too to the idea that like uh, if you're thought to be dead and you're not really dead, it's true. like the whole idea with the bell. Yeah, um, I think is there too, mm-hmm. um, and I like that. That that freaks me out. Like even back to there's that um, there's a Stephen King short story in a Twilight Zone episode where they're. Um, doing an autopsy on a guy who's really alive. Yeah. You know? Um, so that that's something I was reminded of, too. So I, I have to give it a point. Right. And then the other thing that I, I thought of was, you know, so, like, the origin of this witch is, is very much, you know, um, commenting on violence towards women at this time. But then also, throughout this whole movie, you have... I don't know if I would consider it violence, but you have two men like ripping into a woman. Yeah. Like in any other movie, that would be violence against women. Um, 
but here it's done like in a scientific way and they're trying to understand her mm -hmm. and so it's just kind of playing with that where yeah. we get images of men you know opening up women cutting them open and um, seeing their insides but it's it's done in a way to like understand her so it's just a cool twist yeah, I like that. Um, so, yeah, I'm absolutely giving this a point for monster quality. Okay, Scare Factor, Clear Intent, and Successful. So when we think about the uninitiated, mm -hmm. uh, I mean, my wife is a good example. She she actually doesn't like horror movies um, because they freak her out. Um, but I was able to convince her to watch this, and she said it was one of the creepiest movies she's ever seen. And so I think that's a good recommendation. She was, even parts where she knew what was happening, like, when the lights went out, she said, oh, those like those doors are all going to be open when, <laughs> when the lights get back on. And, you know, it was right. She was right, but, like, it still creeped her out. Yeah. Um, and so she was very tense throughout. And I, would, I admitted that um, this is also a movie. When I watch a movie alone, I'm rarely, like, truly spooked. Mm -hmm. But this movie kind of had me spooked. Yeah. Watching it late at night. It has its moments, and I think for me, it's like in the beginning, there's a there's more of a creepiness. But once you figure out, it it, it happens all the time. Once you kind of see and know the monster, yeah. then it's less scary. Right. The end becomes less scary for me. But um, the, the moments of tension and suspense are really good. I, I think you're right about it being kind of a really good movie for the uninitiated because it has that sort of like crime police procedural mm -hmm. element to it, detective story, yeah. which I think is a good plot line for a wide range of audiences. Yeah. Um, so I think, I think it, it means to be scary. I think it's successful. Um, and I, you know, even you, I guess you could call the ending sort of cliche. It's like the witch wins and she's going off to the next. Yeah. To the next victim. Dick, but it didn't bother me that much. I wanted Same. her to win. It, it, <laughs> I mean, it, it felt, it felt like it had been building towards that. It wasn't, I don't think it was meant to be like a twist, you know. Oh no! So stop. Right, right, and so I, I think it, I think it worked. I yeah. agree. It didn't, it didn't bother me. So I'm gonna give it a point. So that's why, yeah, and that's I, why I think it's successful. Yeah, at the end, and I think this should be in the canon. Yeah, I think so too. It's, it's got its own twist and take on a witch story that we don't have many of, unless you listeners out there, if you have a recommendation for a witch story. It would blow our minds. Please leave it in the comments. Yeah, we talked about how we'd love to do a witch episode sometime. Yeah, so. we need to do more. I, I like, I, I really, and that's why I had high hopes for The Void, is I really like the occult and cultish movies. Yeah. Those are the ones that generally freak me out the most. Um, but, yeah, I need some, some fresh blood. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Well, great. So we have the autopsy of Jane Doe in the canon. And so uh, we're rapidly approaching that time of the year, um, our Christmas, <laughs> um, October. Yep. And, and it's in October with a Friday the 13th. Yes. Yes. So um, we have some pretty cool surprises in store for October. Um, Let's just go through it. Okay. So they won't be surprises. Uh, they they weren't really surprised. Get them ready so everybody can follow along with us yes. and watch the movies. We're going to watch a movie a week, essentially. Yes, which is what we've done in the past. Mm -hmm. um, and so um, 
we're going to start with a John Carpenter movie in the mouth of madness. Um, I guess, I guess, I don't know if we've talked about it on the podcast, but we are going to go see John Carpenter in concert in November. Um, he's doing, um, He's doing a concert of like all kind of his greatest hits <laughs> of the movie themes, and so we're I, I super excited. Is it just going to be him like on a synth? Because that's no, what I hope. no. They're going to be like there's going to be a band with them. There's going to be a band too. Yeah, I just thought I just was hoping it was going to be him alone, like Phantom of the Opera up there, just like, uh, pounding away on a synth with like <laughs> just yeah, a bunch like, of like, like pedals and stuff. Yeah, like uh, Dead Mouse. Yeah. Like, <laughs> <laughs> that is what I was hoping for. Yeah. Um, so so yeah, we're we're really excited to to see him, and we're definitely going to to talk about the concert afterwards. Uh, but we want to throw in some more John Carpenter movies before then. So yeah, we wanted to do In the Mouth of Madness, um, and then what's the week after? We'll have our Friday the Thirteenth grab bag. We don't know which movie we're watching. Uh, for that one, but we'll know in the next episode when we pull it out of a hat. Jason yes. X, Jason X, Jason X. <laughs> <laughs> and then after that, we're going to do um, Halloween. Um, there's actually a showing of it at the local movie theater, and so we're going to do that. And are we doing Halloween 2? Yes, yeah, we'll do yeah. on the 20th, we'll do Halloween 1 and 2 Yes, to kind of make up for doing that Friday the 13th. Mm-hmm. Um, and then on the 27th, the last... Friday of the month, we're going to do Halloween 3, Season of the Witch. Oh, I yes. can't wait. <laughs> so we're ending with the scariest movie. <laughs> and, well. Yeah. I, I, so, yeah, if anybody follows us on Twitter, I'm live tweeting uh, Season of the Witch for sure. Right. <laughs> Prepare to get that song stuck in your head. Okay. So, yeah, that's, uh, that's it. Yep, so check uh, out more episodes and the uh, test prep by Stephen McClurg on unoyasolstice.com, E-U-N-O-I-A-S-O-L-S-T-I-C-E.com. Follow us on Twitter at the underscore terror underscore test. Pencils down. The terror test is over.